ESPN Radio. Welcome to the Hell Yeah with Chris Canny and Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, ESPN Plus, Sirius XM Channel 80, as well as TuneIn presented by Progressive Insurance. And how about this big news? Pete Thamel of ESPN College Football and College Football Reporting is reporting that a source told him that Art Bryles will no longer be the offensive coordinator at Grambling. That news just being reported about 10 minutes ago from Pete Thamel of ESPN. Art Bryles out as offensive coordinator at Grambling State University. Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. Chris, I wonder if they were going to cave when this was announced last week. We got our answer on Monday because somebody above the pay grade, Hugh Jackson, said you cannot have that guy at this place with his history, what happened at Baylor. Yeah, Freddie, see, I mean, when we heard the report that he was out, I, I was thinking to myself, he should have never been in. Right. Like, I, I'm all down for second chances, and I get what Hugh Jackson was trying to say in the statement that he released through his foundation, but the reality is Art Browse forfeited the right to shape young hearts and minds in the realm of college football. He, he did with his gross negligence and him facilitating predatory behavior by his players down at Baylor, guys, you know, sexually assaulting young women and mm-hmm. players players being arrested and being found guilty on those charges, I, I think that's an indictment on the head coach. It shows a lack of character, a lack of leadership, and I don't know that that's something that any college athletic program can afford, especially when you start talking about HBCUs and the environments going to there and then the spotlight that's been cast on those programs in light of Deion Sanders being at Jackson State University the last couple of years and then Hugh Jackson being hired as the head coach of Grambling State University. That, that's a proud school, and that's a proud football program. You're talking about the legacy of Eddie Robinson, yep. who was the winningest coach in college football when he retired, when he stepped down. I mean, to, to, to sully that in any way by bringing in Art Browse was a gross misstep by Hugh Jackson, and it makes me question his judgment moving forward and trying to defend the decision to do that yeah. wasn't the right move. Like you made the decision to hire Art Bryles. You saw how that, 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 you know, you got that response in the court of public opinion. It should have went the direction of pivoting and saying, you know what, we made a mistake and we're going to move on from it rather than trying to defend your position or explain it. When you find yourself trying to explain things in the court of public opinion, you're usually on the losing side. So I'm glad that Grambling finally came to the right decision, but I hate the process and I hate the fact that Art Browse's name is even mentioned when it comes to that particular HBCU and when it comes to HBCU football in general. I can't believe the athletic director signed off on that. Hugh Jackson can bring that to you. I was like, no, 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 If I'm the athletic director, the fact that you signed off on that and then said we vetted this out and you vetted it out. If you vetted it out, he wouldn't have been hired. In exactly. the first place. Maybe he doesn't know what the word vetted means, but I guarantee it does not mean that. To yeah. vet out and say that our brow should be offensive coordinator. Freddie, see, this is, this is worse than what Urban Meyer did down in Jacksonville at hiring Chris Doyle as their strength coach. This is, yeah, this yeah. is far worse than that. Yeah, six, and we, and we saw dozen. the ridicule that Urban Meyer got for that. Mm-hmm. This is ten times worse than that yeah. because you're talking about a, a head coach in college football facilitating criminal behavior. Yes, exactly. I, I, like, yeah. I, at, at that point, it's like, okay, you might deserve a second chance, 
but not in the realm of college athletics. Yeah, no doubt now, about you, that. You forfeited that. And so I, I think that was that was a misstep by Hugh Jackson and one that's going to bring even more scrutiny to his tenure down in Grambling State. But speaking of scrutiny, <laughs> we got we got to we got to look at this Kyler Murray situation yeah. because yeah. a lot of people are criticizing how he's trying to go about his business. And I, for one, am not one of those individuals, Freddie C. Okay. I'm all about the players trying to get their bag by sure. any means necessary. And I get it. Quarterback is a leadership position by nature. But there's also an underbelly when it comes to professional sports, especially a sport like football, when you have the nature, the very nature of it being short-lived. Average career is less than four years. Kyler Murray understands the next hit could be his very last. I can understand why he's trying to get his bag right now. Doesn't mean that I think the organization is going to give it to him, but I completely understand why he's going to such lengths in order to try to get it. Chris County, that's in Freddie Coleman. That's me here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, as well as tune in. Hit us up on Twitter anytime you want at Chris Canty 99 and at Coleman ESPN. Don't forget the phone number as well. Have you ever supported an NFL player holding out? Triple H, say ESPN. 888-729-3776. And the reason I threw that question out there, because you pull any number of fans, 9.99999 out of 10 will never side with a player in a holdout. Even if it's somebody on their team, they're always going to side with management, which makes, to me, not a lot of sense because plenty of people in jobs always want more money for the position that they work. They're always trying to get more money from their employers, but athletes do it, and either the NFL, NBA, any sport, well, you just got to play out your contract. You signed your contract. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You work for a job and you try to get more money even if you have signed a contract. It doesn't always match up to me when people try to side with management when they don't even side with management in the old places where they work. But they're willing to do that because they always are always going to be in a side, Chris, whether it's Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, whoever, because you're playing a kid's game you should accept the contract that you signed or you should accept the money that you're going to get. And these are the same people that if they don't get the kind of money that they want, will call out sick for a week and a half and say they got whatever flu that they have. I always love to hear that kind of dichotomy because they try to attach that to athletes. They do attach that to athletes, but they never seem to attach that to their own beings with the jobs that they work and who they work for. It's amazing because a lot of people are anti-establishment. They, you know, they don't they don't want to talk about the bosses or the corporation. They want to fight the power. But when it comes to the players, I think you touched on something that's important. The salaries, what these guys make is for public consumption. And you know what's not for public consumption? What's that? What the owners make. And the, fact that, yeah. and the fact that people don't know what that figure looks like at the end of the season is what always slants their perspective when it comes to these very public spats that players have with their organizations trying to get their money in their contract. Now, the one thing I will also mention about this situation and how fans respond to players holding out is the fact that because you have careers that are so short-lived, fans are always going to side with the team over the player because sure. the team is going to be around a lot longer. So, I mean, why, why would I cape for Kyler Murray when he's only going to be around for another decade? My team's going to be around forever. So, I mean, if you're a lifelong fan of any franchise, you pick one, they're always going to side with the team because that's going to be their team. That might not necessarily always be their quarterback or their receiver or their running back, so on and so forth. So I think that <laughs> that helps to explain the dynamic a little bit when it comes to how fans look at these situations. Right. But in terms of looking at the recent past when players have had, 
you know, issues with their contract, been at odds with organizations. The emergence of the strategy of the hold-in mm-hmm. is something that we got to highlight, Freddie C., because we're seeing it across all sports. We just saw it with James Harden a couple of weeks ago. Right. We saw it with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. We, we've seen it with Jamal Adams at the beginning of 2021 where he said, yeah, I'm going to report to training camp, but I ain't going to be doing a whole lot of practicing until I get my money. We saw it with Jalen Ramsey in his first training camp with the L.A. Rams. Yeah, I'm going to report to training camp, but I'm going to get my money. The reason why guys are reporting – is because in the CBA, you get fined if you don't report to training camp. But but you can be there, and you don't have to work. You can say, oh, my hamstring's hurting, oh, my back's hurting. Regardless of what the MRI says, nobody knows a player's body like that player's body, and it's going to be hard for an organization to prove otherwise. And so that's why it's always dicey when it comes to the relationships between the franchise and guys that they're going to end up needing, especially a guy that plays the quarterback position. And that's why I say – there is a degree of leverage that Kyler Murray has, mm-hmm. even though the Cardinals control his rights for the next three years. I'm going to respond to that real quick with this. When you mentioned in terms of the fans always believe that the team is going to be there longer than the player. And that's the last organization you should be loyal to because they will sell you out in a minute. <laughs> Organizations have done this to fans. They raise ticket prices. They raise concession prices. And yet, if they get a bigger, better deal to move a team, they will do it in a heartbeat. Ask any St. Louis Ram fan. Ooh how they feel about their team right now. How loyal was that well, that fan base to that team in that city for years? And then the minute that Jerry Jones and the Cowboys got together, the NFL said, hey, Stan, we got a stadium over here for you, honey. And then the next thing you know, well, Jerry, I don't know if I want to do that, St. Louis fan base. Stan, we got a stadium over here. I'll buy you some Rocky Road, baby. And the next thing you know, he was in Los Angeles. So when anybody tries to talk about, well, the players need to be loyal to the team and we're going to be loyal to the team, that team will sell you behind out in a minute. Man, them players are loyal to their family, Freddie C. Exactly. I'm loyal, know, to, the, right. I'm loyal yeah. to the people that love me right. all the way up into this journey it, to get to the National yeah. Football right. League. And that's what it yeah. should be. Yeah. And the owners are loyal to what? Money. <laughs> They're going to be loyal to money more than players and more than fans. So if you want to use that argument, we got to be loyal to the team more than the player, that team will sell you behind down the river if more money comes along and they're going to make sure that they come for the little people first when it comes to putting more money in your bank account. He's Chris Canty. Hit him on Twitter. He's always a great follow on Twitter at Chris Canty 99 and Freddie Coleman. Hit me on Twitter at Coleman 99, part of ESPN Radio. We're going to take your calls on have you ever supported an NFL player as a fan at Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. 30 minutes away from trying to fix the NFL when it comes to overtime although I think that's a bad idea. That's in 30 minutes. But if the Brooklyn Nets are going to have Kyrie Irving for the rest of the season in every game, what does the state of New Jersey have to do with that? That's next. At just 5'10", 225 pounds, Rashad Evans entered the Ultimate Fighter house as a heavyweight, physically one of the smallest competitors, but perhaps the one with the biggest heart. Evans went on to win the tournament, despite giving up 25 pounds to his final opponent, becoming the first black man to walk out of the tough house with a UFC contract. ESPN Radio celebrates Black History Always. ESPN Radio. Thanks for being a part of it and allowing it to be a part of you. It is ESPN Radio with Chris Canty. That's him, Freddie Coleman. That's me, presented by Progressive Insurance. Oh, we're going to get to Kyrie Irving wanting to play in every game of the Brooklyn Nets and how the state of New Jersey may have a lot to do with that. That comes your way in about five minutes. But 
when it comes to people and athletes, supporting athletes and not supporting when a guy wants to get more of their money, boy, you can take that line and paint it right down the middle. Triple H say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Jacob in Texas, what player holdout have you ever supported as an NFL fan? Jacob, go. Yeah, thanks. Thank you guys for having me on, Freddie. I got to say, it's odd hearing your voice during the daytime, but <laughs> I'm enjoying the show. It's <laughs> thank good you. To see you there. I appreciate that. Um, so, so I drive by, <laughs> I drive by the house that Kyler built and Allen every day, and you watch this kid. I mean, he's made the progression every year. He's had little bumps in the road when he starts, but you got to think of it this way: if you're the Cardinals, it's like you sign that extension for him now you're probably saving money than if you wait those three years and then sign him later on. I mean, he's got basically guaranteed money sitting on the back burner if he decides to leave and go to baseball. So why not pay the guy now? Well, here's what I will say to that, Jacob. Just to push back a little bit, I don't know that Kyler Murray can make as much playing baseball as he can playing quarterback in the National Football League. But the part where I will agree with you on – is that Kyler Murray's value to the Arizona Cardinals in 2022 Mm -hmm. is way above what his salary is scheduled to be. He's supposed to make $5.5 million this year. I don't know that anybody can can make the argument that Kyler Murray is not worth more than $5.5 million to the Arizona Cardinals. So I think that's a part of the math when it comes to him and his representation trying to figure out, you know, what they need to do the path in order to get Kyler compensated appropriately. Now, I get it. The team burned a first-round draft pick, and with that, they reserve the right to control a player for five years if they exercise his fifth-year option, and if they choose to, franchising the guy with that sixth year um, in that sixth season. But I will say this, Freddie C., if you're sold on this guy being your franchise quarterback, why would you want to irritate him? Why would you want to string him along? Why wouldn't you just go ahead and pay him? That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. And you continue to have this adversarial relationship the longer this drags out. Not to mention Jacob's original point, which is the longer the Cardinals take to get this done, the more expensive it's going to be. And so if you want it to be around that $40 million a year territory, then you probably better do that now because it's only going to go up once guys like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson get contract extensions. Oh, and not to, not to mention a guy named Aaron Rodgers, who we yeah. understand Kyler Murray is not in the same class as, but nonetheless is going to continue to push the quarterback market. Matt Stafford, after winning a Super Bowl, is about to get a contract extension this offseason. Mm-hmm. If you're Arizona, those are the things you have to think about when trying to debate whether or not you want to pay Kyler Murray because there is something to what his agent said. If you get the deal done now, it does give you some short-term cap relief. Now, in 2023... It's going to go up. But in the immediacy, in 2022, it does take the salary cap number down, um, you know, just depending on the structure of the deal. But that's that's what we're led to believe if we take the agent at face value and what he said in that statement. So I'm all about the players getting their money. I was in this de- league for over a decade, so I'm always going to cape for guys to get paid. Sure. And in this situation, I understand because he's a quarterback, he's in a position to dictate to a franchise – a lot more than just another position player. Here's the deal with that real quick before we go on to Coach Doc in Texas. Here's my perspective, what you just said, which is spot on. From the Cardinals' point of view, they firmly believe that there should be a pecking order, but they you have to be able to read the room more than ever before. If other teams are doing that for their quarterback that they believe in, Kyler Murray has seen that. 
He's seen what the Kansas City Chiefs did for Patrick Mahomes. He's seen what the Buffalo Bills did for Josh Allen. He's seen what the Baltimore Ravens are about to do for Lamar Jackson or the Las Vegas Rays about to do for Derek Carr. And he's thinking, well, wait a minute. Well, you changed an entire organization for me. You moved on from Steve Wilkes, the head coach. You drafted me number one. You brought in a coach in Cliff Kingsbury that was going to play to my skill set. And we've gone from five wins to eight wins to 11 wins. He understands the room, not just from a football standpoint, but from a financial standpoint. And Arizona's like, huh, you know, we know what you've done. Is, but you know, we still got to see some more. And Kyle's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hold on, player. You're not going to do that to me the way other teams have done that. For example, like Baker Mayfield, the Cleveland Browns. And I saw a report on Cleveland.com today that he is frustrated by not having more voice in the offense. And Cleveland said, you can be frustrated all you want. You had 17 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. We know you played injured, but still, we don't trust you to turn this over. Kyler Murray has been able to read the room. Will the Arizona Cardinals do the same thing? Chris Canty, that's him. Freddie Coleman, that's me. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio. Don't worry, we're going to get to Kyrie Irving and what the state of New Jersey has to do with him, maybe playing or not playing. We're going to do that in about 10 minutes. But people weighing in at Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776 on supporting NFL players when they hold out. Coach Doc in Texas, what you got? Hey, guys, how y'all doing today? I'm listening to you guys, man, and love you, Freddie, doing the day too now. Thank you, Brock. I appreciate that. Hey, uh, guys, I was listening to to you, and I wouldn't pay Kyler $40 million a year. I think it was Jordan that said this. A lot of guys trying to get paid for not doing anything yet. They're not, you know, they're kind of, you know, wanting to get paid before they do anything. And my thing with this is, and you you guys might disagree a little bit, but I look at uh, what's going on in Denver through the years. When it was time for – uh, Elway to find a quarterback. You know, he signed Peyton. He signed Peyton to all that money. But then he didn't overpay for Oswald. He didn't overpay for a number of other guys. And although he haven't found that quarterback yet, he's not stuck with a contract that he can't get rid of. Think about the Cowboys now. The Cowboys going to release a whole bunch of players here in a little bit. but And they stuck with Dak. And Dak needs good players around him to be successful. But he's, they stuck paying a quarterback that is not worth that kind of money. He's not a difference maker. So that's where I go with that is you're stuck with, a, with, with guys that are not difference makers. And not, now, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't have paid Amari Cooper $100 million either. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just that you're stuck with guys that, that are not proven that they're those type of players that take you over the top and they need more than what they are. Guys, love your show, man. Chris, you keep doing it, man. Keep doing it. Appreciate you, bro. And and here's what I will say, Doc. I get where you're coming from, but there's no way that we can make the argument that Kyler Murray hasn't at least proven to be an agent of change out there with the Arizona organization. You can say what you want, but since they drafted him, the trajectory of this team has changed in comparison to where they were at the previous three years. You're talking about them firing a head coach after one season and getting rid of a quarterback that they made a top 10 pick. They had three wins. Kyler Murray stepped in. They went 5-10-1. and one. The next year they went 8-8. Eight and eight. And this past year they went 11-6. and six. And, oh, by the way, Kyler Murray finished seventh in total QBR right behind who? Josh Allen. And we consider him one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League who just, just so happened to get paid after his third year to the tune of six years, $258 million. So all I'm saying is when we start having the Kyler Murray conversation, mm-hmm. let's keep things into perspective and recognize the true value of what he means to this organization and then the replacement level value 
that 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 you would have to go through in, earn, in order to get to a similar place with quarterback production. So all I'm saying, that's my argument for paying Kyler Murray now. Yeah, here's the deal, and Kyler Murray is banking on that, but I know from the Arizona Cardinals, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Chris. If you try to compare yourself to Josh Allen, I would look at Kyler Murray and say, we like you, but that guy's got his team to, to the playoff back-to-back-to-back-to-back playoff appearances. I know we can't, you have to weigh that from relative and say, hey, Kyle, we believe in you, but if you're going to compare yourself to Josh Allen, that guy to me now is an elite quarterback. That's not disrespectful to Kyler Murray, but he's an elite quarterback. If you're going to compare yourself to Kyler Murray, I don't think that Josh Allen should be that guy in that room that you're comparing yourself to because you're hurting your argument when he's got more skin on the wall in the playoffs, even though Kyler Murray, to our point, has done a great job taking a three-win team, making an 11-win team, mm. and being a number one pick. But if you're going to make that comparison, they can say, well, look what that guy's been able to do in the last couple of playoffs. You haven't done that yet. So that's something that maybe Kyler Murray is feeling and sensing and thinking, well, if they don't believe me like this, when are they ever going to believe in me being the kind of quarterback that I knew I can be for the Arizona Cardinals? Like I said, just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, and I'm with you, and, I, and I'm not saying that Kyler Murray is Josh Allen. I think there's levels to this, and clearly they got different views, although they're in the same building right. because they're top ten picks. Um, but what I will say is Josh Allen went to a hell of a lot better of an organization in the Buffalo Bills than Kyler Murray went to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, there's no doubt so, about so, that. So, yeah, so, I, so yep. I think – when we have these conversations and we talk about the culture that was in place, one place had an environment that was conducive to a quarterback realizing their full potential, and the other one did not. Yeah. Arizona's That's just right. now getting on solid footing. I don't understand why they would want to disrupt that by not giving their franchise quarterback and the extension that he wants and the timeline that he wants. And the key word there, quarterback, because if you don't have one, you don't have anything. And if anybody should know that, it should be that organization. The Arizona Cardinals. Great stuff by Chris Candy. Hit him on Twitter, ChrisCanty99. I'm Freddie Coleman. Hit me on Twitter at Coleman99, part of ESPN Radio. What are we going to see first? Kyrie Irving as a full-time player or Ben Simmons as a player? That's next. From the NBA. We can't coexist on the court. Now I got to deal with the fans. To college. Number one player in the country. He is skilled. GJ and Max have the hardwood covered. The dude who's 6'10 can get to the rock. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. It all starts weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2. ESPN Radio. You know you're the dude when you're Kyrie Irving and the mayor of New York City makes the C-Block a sports center. With Chris Canty, <laughs> that's him, Freddie Coleman, that's me, on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Series XM Channel 80 and Tune. You're probably wondering yourself, self, why would Eric Adams have anything to do with Kyrie Irving? I'll be glad to tell you. The New York City mayor that is Eric Adams said on Monday that he wants to see Kyrie Irving playing home games at the Barclays Center, but making an exception with a Brooklyn Nets unvaccinated star guard would send the wrong message to the rest of the city. Check out what he said to CNBC. He's also spoken to the owner of the Nets, Joseph Sy, about the issue. Listen, I want Kyrie on the court. I would do anything to get that ring. So badly, I want it. But there's so much at stake here. And I spoke with the owner of the team. We want to find a way to get Kyrie on the court, but this is a bigger issue. I can't have my city closed down again. It was in the wrong message just to have an exception for one player when we're telling countless numbers of New York City employees, if you don't follow the rules, you won't be able to be employed, end quote. Freddie C., this is a can of worms for the Brooklyn Nets because they were holding out hope that eventually – with the lifting of the vaccine mandate when it came to indoor spaces and arenas, 
would mean that Kyrie Irving would be eligible to be a full-time player, but Mm -hmm. that's not going to be the case if we see that vaccine mandate lifted in a week. What Eric Adams is saying is because city employees as a term of their employment have to be vaccinated, and if they're not, then they're going to, they're not going to be able to be, you know, employed or do their jobs. I think they're applying that same standard here to Kyrie Irving in terms of making sure that they're consistent with the messaging. Uh, and so I think this is one of those cases where the platform, the stature of the individual actually works against them yeah. when it comes to public sentiment and when it comes to shaping the policies that the NBA and the Brooklyn Nets have to adhere to. So this is a tough break for the Brooklyn Nets. And in my opinion, this validates James Harden in a lot of different ways because Kyrie Irving is supposed to be a key part of this Brooklyn Nets team competing for a championship. And not knowing when he's going to be available to be a full-time player jeopardizes what this team's potential is going to be once they get to the postseason. So I can understand why James Harden wants out because Kyrie Irving is the wild card when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets actually realizing their ceiling. New York City Mayor Eric Adams wants that loophole to be – invoked when it comes to Kyrie Irving because mm. every guest is required to be vaccinated. For example, the inner Madison Square Garden, Barclays Center, other entertainment venues. Whoever's on that stage, basketball court, ice rink, football field, whatever that is. But you don't have to be required to be vaccinated if you're not a city resident. And Kyrie Irving's city of residence, place of residence, is the state of New Jersey. Eric Adams is trying to do everything possible, Chris, to send a message to Albany saying, wait a minute, come on now. You guys are in charge of this. I'm the mayor of New York City, but we have to follow the mandate when it comes to the state of the Empire State. Sounds so nice. They had to name it twice when it comes to New York, New York. (laughs) So Eric Adams is sending that message saying, you know what? I can't do this for one person, even though I want to, when other people can say, well, wait a minute. You're doing that because he's a ball player and he can try to win a championship. And we know how much value is placed on them, but they're more important than the average Joe and Josephine. That's the kind of message, in my opinion, that he's trying to send to somebody above his title grade, and that is the governor of the state of New York. Yeah, it's just something that doesn't feel right. With with students going back to school and as of Wednesday not having to be masked, I I, I just it feels like we've reached a point with the pandemic and the infection rate in the tri-state area where we can discuss taking off masks responsibly and and not necessarily having to adhere to vaccine mandates. I I don't necessarily agree with the policy Mm -hmm. that's been put in there. We know that Adam Silver didn't agree with it, citing the hypocrisy of it all because players on visiting teams can play, but players on the home team can't. Um, In terms of mitigating the risk of spread of the virus, it, it, it doesn't seem like it's actually doing what it's intended to do. I think it's more of, Uh, a gentle nudge to folks that are in those positions to get vaccinated as opposed to be unvaccinated. And so I think we've sent that message for the past several months now, and folks that are going to get vaccinated have gotten vaccinated. Folks that aren't going to get vaccinated aren't going to get vaccinated. So I just think we have to deal with the realities of the situation and try try to move back to a place of normalcy when it comes to, you know, our way of life. And that includes allowing players that could be unvaccinated to play in, in home games. And so it's really interesting, but because of the the spectacle of it all, because of the stature of Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets, this is not going to be something where the bureaucracy in New York is going to be moved mm-hmm. in the direction that the Brooklyn Nets were hoping for in the short term. I just don't see that happening. And speaking of direction, with Chris Canty and Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio, 
A lot of people are hooting and hollering. Yeah, I'm talking to you about the overtime rules still in place that happened with the Buffalo Bills in Kansas City, and Kansas City won the toss, and the Bills didn't get the ball, and Kansas City scores that touchdown, and oh, my God, this is bad for the sport. This is terrible. I can't stand Patrick Mahomes and his family. You guys just want him to win and all the other stuff. So now somebody out there, a team is willing to put out there a ratifying this proposal when it comes to the National Football League and the overtime rules. If you could see the look on Chris Canty's face, it's like I told him that Christmas is going to disappear for the rest of his life. It seems that somebody wants to put it out there that it should be one possession each when it comes to the overtime rules, especially postseason games. Now, they have to have at least 24 out of 32 teams vote on this, but from the Washington Post, there seems to be some support within the competition committee to modify overtime for the postseason only. But, Chris Canty, as you can take your head out of your hands, it's not clear how extensive that support is. Well, here's the thing. When it comes to postseason football, teams that win the coin toss, I want to say have won eight of the ten games that have gone into overtime as opposed to the regular season where it's split down the middle just about 50-50 in terms of winning percentage if you win the coin toss in overtime. So, (laughs) <laughs> There's that push that, you know, we don't want to let a coin toss decide an overtime game. But to that, I would say, if you don't like that, then don't let the game get to overtime. <laughs> that, that, that's, that, I mean, that's the player's perspective. If I let the game get to overtime, then that's on me. Just like right. if I let the game be decided by a call by the officials, yeah. that's on me as a player. You understand that. And so the only guys that are going to complain about it or the teams or the fan bases that are on the wrong side right. of it. Mm-hmm. But this has been something that's been widely accepted. Now, I'm not opposed to exploring alternatives to the current overtime rules, but this whole idea of fairness needs to go away. My former partner, Mike Gola Jr., used to say fair is a place where they judge pigs at. It doesn't <laughs> exist in professional sports, and it really doesn't exist outside of a fair in life. Yeah, so yeah. I just I think we have to move past that. Yep. And, then, and then Freddie C's just spinning this thing forward. If, in fact, you do change the rules where both teams get a possession, Mm -hmm. if both teams score a touchdown, then what? Then Exactly. Then then what do you do? You create another problem. I mean, is it the next score wins? Right. Or, well, Mm -hmm. because they won the coin toss, and if they score two touchdowns, then we got to give the other team a chance to possess the ball. Exactly. It's ridiculous. It just goes on and on and on. So, I'm all about the alternatives. The Ravens and the Eagles came up with a proposal a couple of years ago with spot and choose. I'm not going to explain that because we're up against the break. Mm -hmm. But I think that could be an alternative if people want to look at change the overtime rules but but this whole business about oh both teams got to have the ball i just can't subscribe to that yeah, put it this if it was happening every year and the home team or whoever won the coin toss would go down the field and score on the first play of the game or the first possession i might be with it it happens every blue moon leave it alone there's nothing wrong with that he's chris canty and freddie coleman thanks for joining us on espn radio a very meaningful three and out comes your way next don't miss it on April 2nd, 1984, John Thompson's Georgetown Hoyers, led by Patrick Ewing, beat Houston in the NCAA championship game, making Thompson the first black coach to win an NCAA basketball title. Thompson became a coaching icon during his 27 years at Georgetown. When he passed away in 2020, several coaches honored him by wearing his signature white towel. ESPN Radio celebrates Black History Always. ESPN Radio. It's Kenny and Coleman on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. 
Got to give a big shout-out today, Freddie C., to the guest that came mm-hmm. on the show, Christian Winfield, New York Daily News reporter on the Nets beat, giving us the latest when it comes to all things Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Ben Simmons. Also got to shout-out my former teammate, ESPN NFL analyst Marcus Spears, who's also the co-host of the Swaggoo and Perk podcast. If you haven't checked that out, do yourself a favor and take a look at that, take a listen. And then also, if you missed any of what we had today on our show, go to the ESPN Radio podcast, download, rate, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. But, Freddie C., now is about the time where we got to get to the portion of our show we like to call Three and Out. And Three and Out is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. And this Three and Out is all about athletes stepping up in a major way, Freddie C. But before we get to all of that, we got a birthday in the show family that we got to shout out. It is one Braylon Penn who is celebrating his Sweet 16. Our show producer, Shannon Penn, is off today helping to celebrate his son's 16th birthday. And so we got to shout him out. He's the definition of a P1. He's family around here. He listens to every single show. So we want to wish the very best to Braylon Penn celebrating his 16th birthday. Continue blessings and favor, young man. Rumble, young man, rumble. Where did that time go? Seriously. <laughs> I remember when he was here when he was like seven or eight. Where did that time go? Yeah, congrats to Brillin, but that's making me even older and older than I am now. So I don't know if this is a good birthday for me, but it's a good birthday for him. Yeah, and guess what? If you're saying that where did the time go, that also lets us know that our producer Shannon Pan is old. Yeah. I mean, okay. old, old. You went there, like, didn't you? You, you know, know what I'm saying? You went there. Exactly. I'm just saying we got we got to put that out there. I ho- I hate to throw frat under the bus, but we got to go ahead and call it what it is. If you're celebrating your son's 16th birthday, you might be old. Just saying. But on a more se- but on a more serious note, Freddie C, yeah. we got to talk about what's going on in Ukraine and the heroism from athletes across the globe. And this from Vasily Lomachenko, ESPN's number eight pound-for-pound boxer who has joined a territorial defense battalion in Ukraine as the country attempts to fend off invasion from Russia. Now, Ukraine is his home country. He's from Odessa, which is in the southern part of the country. And for him, knowing that he could have avoided being in harm's way, for him to step up in the way that he has to, to put himself in the line of fire when it comes to defending his home country. Man. It's just a degree of courage that, that is uncommon. It's it's one of those things that should be celebrated as Ukrainians fight for their livelihoods, fight for their lives, fight for democracy. Yep. I think this is something that should be applauded and celebrated, the fact that he is willing to put down his boxing gloves and pick up arms in order to defend his home country against the brutality from Vladimir Putin and the Russian regime. Yeah, and you got the Klitschko brothers. You got the boxers, Vitaly, who's the capital, who's the mayor of the capital of Ukraine. He's taking up arms to defend against the attack. His brother, Vladimir, enlisted Ukraine's reserve army earlier this month in anticipation of the, uh, anticipation, excuse me, of the invasion. And when I first thought about that, and you mentioned that, Chris, I said somewhere Pat Tillman is smiling. Yes. Somewhere Pat yes. Tillman is going, you know what? That is what it's supposed to be about. We can be sports and we can be iconic figures. But it's about your fellow man and going above and beyond. So somewhere, Pat Tillman's going, way to go, Klitschko brothers in Ukraine. Way to go. And, and that's the thing, Freddie. We talk about sports heroes, and this is an example of a sports hero turning into a real-life hero. Amen. Because Amen. it would have been easy for Vladimir Klitschko or Vasily Lomachenko to take themselves out of harm's way. But the fact that they decided to stand up 
for their country, for their way of life, for their rights, for the people that can't defend themselves within that country. It speaks volumes to not only their sports character, but their true character. Coming up next, you got Spain and Fitz on deck. This is Freddie C. and Chris Candy signing off from ESPN Radio.